This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode 584 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's a fireside chat here on August 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? What is happening? You really wanted to say what is happening, didn't you? I kind of did. <laughs> I, I would love to just start with what – I don't even introduce it. I don't give the date. I just say what is happening. I'm Paul Spore, joined by Nick Pollock, and then mm. you say what is happening, and we dive in. And then we but I got to give him a little rundown here. Um it is the fireside chat, and we're kind of getting back to our roots on a deep dive on one guy named Luis, but it's not that Luis. Uh, we started this with Luis Castillo several months ago, um, and by the way, he pitched today, pitched okay. He'd been pitching really well, and it was an okay one in Washington. I'm not going to crush him on that, but we're focusing on Luis Severino. Um it's been rough, and he's an ace, and at this time of the year, I mean, you and I have talked about how disgusting the pitcher landscape is, so to also get bombs from your ace, yeah. oh, that's so painful. That's and then we'll have some quick hits on Archer and Gosman in their new uh, in their new stadiums and, and, and team context. I definitely want to get your thoughts there, but Severino is the focus. So let's just dive in and kind of get to the heart of what's been going on. Through July 1st, you had 18 starts of a 198 ERA and the skills to back it up. Just absolute devastation and excellence all across the board. Fewer than six strikeouts just twice. Both of those were five, uh, four double-digit strikeout outings, regularly going six, seven innings. In fact, fewer than six innings, just one to three times in those 18 starts and two of them were among his first three so basically from mid-april on severino i mean was as good as anybody out there just so good and that said the last five have been a problem and not to the level where you can just say well okay he was bound to kind of level out from the excellence that he had this kind of this isn't regression this is this is a fallback he hasn't gone six in any of them he's put up 25 innings of an 828 era with eight homers still a three three to uh 3.0 strikeout to walk ratio 21 to 7 and in fact until the last game he had a strikeout per inning but then it was only two strikeouts and five and two-thirds at boston four of the five have been on the road too so you can't even uh, attribute the home run issue to yankee stadium the first one didn't care second one still was telling folks don't really see anything 
I'm not too worried. The third one, and especially against Tampa Bay, in Tampa Bay, I was bummed, but it was still eight strikeouts to no walks. I was like, this is homers. This is BABIP. This is this is just a little bit of regression. But then two more, including a devastation against KC. And yeah, at five starts here. We've got some trouble, and I'm curious what you're seeing. So let's just get your overview, and then we can start to dive in on on different things based on where our conversation goes. But what is up? What is happening with Luis Severino? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to discount him so much against the Red Sox on on Friday night because that is, you know, one of the hottest offenses and one of the best offenses Absolutely. in the majors. And- Arguably his best start during this crap. Right. At the same time, it was just five whiffs and 115 pitches there. That was uh, And obviously, I watched the start. It was a really fun one to watch. Um, and also, Rick Porcello going ham like that was just crazy. I, I see you, Rick. Don't be stealing any more Cy Youngs, but I see you, dog. And I wonder, I mean, I, I don't really talk about this at all. And it's something that you can't really put any stock on in the future. But there is something to be said about Rick Porcello cruising and not giving any time to breathe for Severino. Um, especially after throwing over 35 pitches in that first frame, and then that's Purcell just kind of cruises through it, and then he has to come back out. And it's it's not actionable. Really right. Yeah, it's not actionable. It's a, it's it's something that you notice in game, though, right? Exactly. When you're like, yeah. he doesn't even get any time to settle down because uh, I believe he threw he, he didn't throw a Maddox. Porcello didn't. For those that don't know what a Maddox is, it's a shutout in 99 or fewer pitches. But I'm gonna run, it was damn why. close. It was a solo shot by Miguel Andujar, and it was 86 pitches I mean, with nine K. That's crazy. So he was decimating the Yankees, <laughs> and they have a good offense too. So hats off to Porcello on that. What a start! Right. Um, but that is a good point because he's doing these quick innings, and any breather that Severino wants to get, nope, get back out there and try to figure it out against that offense. Right. And so people have talked about also his fastball velocity hasn't been great. Well, I don't really see that much actually. I think it's pretty. Yeah. Just Ryan 97, and that's not the crux. Even if no. it went down one tick, yep. I, I generally what you also see with a lowered velocity is also a worse command. And, and the command has been worse across the board or, or, through his pitches. I'm not seeing worse control, I should say. We're not seeing a bunch of walks. We are seeing poor command. Right. So, I mean, things – for example, this is the biggest thing for me right off the bat, if I really want to say like the, the major problem with Severino, is the fact that last year his changeup was this really effective pitch. Uh, 0.56 batting average allowed, 9.8 P-Val, uh, 34% O swing. And this was on over 400 thrown in 2017 for Lee Severino's changeup. 2018, to 286 batting average allowed. That can't happen. Negative yeah. 3 P-Val, 22% O swing. So that's a 12-point drop in chases off the plate on it. Just a 9% whiff rate this year, about 300 thrown. And the changeup over this span, pretty terrible. Now, here's the thing. It had a .2 P-Val in that Red Sox start. But if you watch the ones he got... I mean, there was one he struck out Jackie Bradley Jr. and one that was floated up in the zone. That it was like right at the top and yeah. uh, full count. Bradley was like, "I think this is ball four," and, and he got rung up on a borderline pitch. And then a couple others that he tried to throw low and away, and they all just floated into the zone. Sometimes they were taken, sometimes they were smacked foul, or it wasn't a good pitch. And it, no, previous three not. starts tallied up to a negative two point three p val and three starts for a changeup. <sighs> That's off the changeup for Seve. Wow. Right. So wow. it's just been a really bad offering. And it's kind of turned into something that Severin just doesn't have faith throwing anymore. Well, uh, here's the thing. Yeah. Um, just quickly, before the struggles, it was allowing a 727 OPS. So the changeup has not been 
Like that's not that good. Right. So uh, the- 600 for the fastball, 405 for the slider. So it's been his worst pitch all year. You amplify it. You mix it in with a with some struggles on the fastball slider. And well, it's right. Just, that's uh, the thing. That's that's the that's the problem. So normally when you talk about with with aces, very very rarely do we talk about a guy that has just two pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Kluber is the exception, I would think, to that because a fastball is just can be very, very bad. Yeah, but the way he manipulates his, his oh, breaking right. ball, it's like four it's, pitches. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, so, so C. Severino, Severino essentially has been fine with this changeup through the year. Yeah. This, I think, is, is is a time when it's really. I mean, look, he has, I think, it is before this stretch about a negative one p valve, which is <laughs> so fine you're over, surviving over 20, with it. right? Exactly. But yeah, once once your fastball and slider command is not there. It gets amplified, to use your word, exactly. It gets revealed or illuminated how bad this changeup is because you don't have that thing you can pull out of your back pocket to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that really right there is is the start of it. And the slider has been okay. There are a lot, especially in this one. I saw you try to go backdoor. I'm sorry, not backdoor. Trying to go down and away to right-handers. That's kind of a thing he's done all year. Uh, and he's throwing it front door? It, it's it's falling in, into the you know, the inside corner to right handers all of a sudden and it's and that's where you time. get the command because it's right. still in the uh, to say it's poor command because it's still in the zone so the walk the walks aren't accelerated but it's a remarkably hittable pitch that completely misses the mark of the exactly, catcher's glove yeah. to be low and away for a flail instead fat in the zone one of those cement mixers that just stays there and gets hammered right and even even actually had good lateral movement but where it was ending up was inside corner or inner middle half. And that's not that's not a good Can't spot to that. put it, uh, and that's part of the reason why he didn't have many whiffs. Again, only five whiffs, 115 pitches. Uh, I believe only two of them were on the 30 to 40 sliders they threw in this. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's a big problem to me. I need to see him being able to look at it down away. He did that once or twice. He did it to JD Martinez. It was a beautiful whiff. Looked great. He did it to Mookie Betts as well. Mm-hmm. But that, that was really Betts. it. Or that didn't hit Wilkie it. Betts. He came up and in. But right. if he's going to he's gonna hit someone, oh, he's going to hit someone. Yeah. A <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> few, few numbers here just on everything. Yeah. Uh, the swinging strike rate for, is in half for the fastball on changeup during this run compared to the mm-hmm. through July 1st. The, just down three points for the slider. So it's still – again, because until the Boston game, he was still getting a strikeout. Sure. Interestingly enough, his chase rate's actually up. Um, but I would like to see kind of – there aren't as many pitches out of the zone because he's getting hammered in the zone. So that's probably a little bit deceptive uh, there. And then the whiff rate, which is different from swing strike, it's the misses per swing, mm-hmm. is down 10 points to 18%. Yeah, that's not good. So that's really tough because what- they're swinging. They're usually hitting. And those last five games, too, he's had three starts with a swing strike rate under 10%. That's just Whoa, not – Sever- That's not what he does, no. Just don't see that from Severino. No, and yeah. so – we haven't heard anything about injury. I don't think that's this. I, 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 I don't either. I think we'd see walks up, I think, or, or velocity or both. And we're not seeing either of the usual markers. You pitched. Can you get in a funk like this for, for this long where it's where it is just like a mechanical funk and, and feel on pitches? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely. This is no, this and, is yes, keep going. No, no. So I was just curious. Yeah, go ahead, go on that then. Like what what are the fixes? Like, do you break it down from square one or do you find the tweak? Like, obviously, knowing what the issue is is probably the biggest uh, question that they have right now. But uh, 
what, what do you think happens with Severino? Right. We got two for him to turn this around. So just so we're clear here, we're also talking about the fastball command just not being he's not, establishing his own like he normally does with that pitch, yeah. especially against left-handers. It just stays away and it's just hanging out there. It's an easy take to dig a lot of time. Uh, and that, of course, then sets up sliders and the whole thing just kind of goes from there. So uh, what you do is you go and have a bullpen. And this is often, the thing. this is actually a problem, I think, of this season. Um, I mean, this is, again, this is think fast. This is, you know, hypothesizing and maybe pseudo-analytics, whatever you want to say. I like I'm this. willing to bet that the manager visit rule has had a negative impact on pitchers this year. Because Interesting. I, I think I see this all the time. There's so many scenarios when a pitcher struggles for a moment. And instantly what would happen is the catcher would come out and just say Go out. something. Yep. And a lot of people kind of forget what what catchers are saying. They really don't know. It's not just, hey, man, you're going to be fine. It's okay. The biggest suggestion is that a catcher says something mechanically is different. Even if they have no idea, the point is to say, hey, make sure that you're, you, know, you keep your shoulder closer a little bit longer. It's just that when the pitcher goes back on the next one, he's just thinking about that. They get refocused on the mechanics. And it it makes the whole muscle memory work. And you're just thinking about this and you get focused all of a sudden on that thing. And whatever was the problem just kind of goes away because you're not, you know, you're not trying to do too much or beat yourself on it. You're like, okay, great. All I need to do is close my front shoulder and I'm fine. So when you go back to the bullpen, what you're doing is you're just thinking about different things. Sometimes it'll be that shoulder. Sometimes it'll be your back foot. Make sure I'm getting my leg up in time, making sure that my head is staying on target for as long as it is, et cetera. You're just going through different things until okay. you get to that moment where you feel good. Okay. Uh, it's that simple, honestly. Uh, and sometimes that takes you know one or two, three starts or something. Sometimes it's just clicks and everything's fine after that. Uh, I don't see this as something that is going to be continuing through the rest of the year. It surprises me that it's lasted this long. At the same time, I wonder if he didn't play the Red Sox, that it would have been a little bit different. Because also, keep in mind, Yankee Red Sox, there's a little bit more anxiety attached to that, too. It, it's just different. It's just completely right. different. So so I wonder if he didn't, you know, if he faced, I don't know, the, uh, <laughs> almost one with your Tigers. But, hey, uh, <laughs> it's no offense taken. It's facts, man. That's, well, not, a, that's not a difficult offense. In fact, I want a more of a middling team. If he had struggled against a team like that, like he did with KC, in fairness to him, by the way, I mentioned four on the road at Toronto, at Cleveland, at Tampa, at Boston. Tampa Bay's offense is not something that you would call world beater, but they're very familiar with Severino. Cleveland's is solid. Toronto's, again, not huge, but going into Toronto with a team that knows you. So it's the three division mates, three of the four, um, and a trip to Cleveland. KC's the only scrub team there. Oh, man. but it was at home and they waxed him right, eight hits off. before in the third with six runs. That one was just – that yeah. was where you could really see for me the command of just laying pitches over. And, and these are still professional players. It doesn't matter how lame the team is. If you're putting it up there on a tee at 95, 97, they're timing it and it's it's a, it's a GG. Right. It was a tough so one. Before I forget, uh, is there a place – I don't know the answer to this. Is there a place that I can check when manager visits happen and how the frequency of them? I, I bet there is, but I don't know. But I, right. I wonder if there's a Twitter for it because be something like this there's like a replay Twitter. How many games have run out of manager visits this year? How I many think, times um, have we seen catchers go out to talk to guys in the first three innings this year compared to previous seasons? I'm really curious about this because I think there's this hesitancy to save your chips 
There is. You for can that. just spend them because we're not going to use them anyway. It's like <laughs> I coach I coach 13, 14 year old rec basketball over the winter, mm-hmm. and we're given five timeouts, and I'm the only coach that ever uses all five. Can't take them with you. Right. And, you know, a lot of coaches just, you know, they don't, they use one or two in the game and they lose by 10 or something. No, no, no. And I'm just thinking, I will never, that will never Nick's happen. Nick's bringing his guys, let's get a TO, baby. Right. And, uh, and, and let's get <laughs> on that whiteboard a, here. It feels the same thing, though. Use their manager visit. Anytime you I see agree. it, go out and spend it. And I see a lot of guys that clearly, clearly needed the time just to go and talk and mention this. It's not happening. And you can figure uh, it out later, right? Like, you know, maybe, maybe there will be a key spot where you wish you could have had one. But figure that out because if you don't, if you if you save it and and let a guy kind of twist in the wind there without giving him the visit, and they should they obviously know their players better than we would, uh, who could really use it and everything. But uh, if if you let them kind of twist, well then the game might be out of hand to where you don't even need them. Well, right, exactly. Like do so. That, don't let it you know. get to that point. I'm right. with you. That's that's really interesting. I, I will look to see if I can find anything, um, if, if there's a website or a Twitter that kind of chronicles them. I think I did hear on a broadcast the other day that only one time were they all used, and it was back in April. And I Are think you, it was yeah, – That was one of the early manager. games. That was I like, think Callaway or Kapler. I want to say it's Kapler. I, I, that was my memory. It was like a Phillies game. That wouldn't surprise me. Remember, right. he had some struggles early kind of figuring everything out. Yeah. Though he's turned it around and he looks strong. Meanwhile, Callaway seems to be regressing. <laughs> I feel like he has more blunders as the season's worn on. I mean, but it's anyway, the Mets, though. The, the, the low Mets, for sure. Um, so, <laughs> But anyway, all right, where are we stand on Severino? Uh, yeah, obviously, here's the, the not necessarily problem, but the, the crux of the situation for me. There's nothing to be done. You're not trading him. Right, right exactly. Certainly not, you know, the cuts in every, even an option, but I'm not trading him at a low point because anyone trying to trade for him is going to try to get the discount, not given it. So you just got to ride it out. Are you one of the guys that when you, your ace is struggling this much that you do the sit, let him get right, and then so, bring him back? So I actually, I, uh, I had the AMA on Friday. I do it every Friday. They write it. And one of the questions is, do we roll out Severino? And I said, no. Uh, okay. And head to head because it was Boston, though. That's the only – I was just about to say that is literally the only situation I would do it because I think it's generally bad advice with studs. Right. No, yeah. We talked about this, this was with Berea's. in Boston. Yeah, yeah. And this was in Boston though. This is the one time where you can say, you know what? Let's sit him. If he ends up beasting on Boston, I'm happy. You know, like I'm mad that I missed it, but I'm happy that he got oh, back right, against exactly. the toughest team and now I'm ready to go. That's the only scenario that I could have possibly seen it. There's so no other team. The, I believe he gets the Rangers next. Uh, Sign me really, up. If it's the Rangers or the Chai Sox, I know that it's the Chai Sox to start the week. I don't remember if he gets that or not, but I believe it's going to be the Rangers. Uh, either way, I'm starting him. Now, that's the yeah. point. It doesn't yeah, really just, matter which one it is. Have, I'm starting. I, I'm like, I think you just have to with a guy like Severino. You just got to let him work through it. Again, we haven't heard a we haven't heard a peep about potential injury, right. uh, a peep about any sort of skip start, anything. It is the White Sox. He gets the last game of that series. Excuse right, me. Okay. And then he'll have a two-start the following week. So the this Mets is a- and, and Jays, of, that sounds great. And then after that, it'll be Baltimore and then the White Sox. I mean, this is the this is a get right period. Come yep, on. This is this a is- really strong get-right period for Severino. So if you can get any sort of discount on Severino, you buy. Yeah, you should be out buying. But if you have him, I would even shut the door down pretty much for offers unless somebody right. comes correct with a fair treat him as yeah. if he hadn't had this so, period. So if you're watching this next game from Severino, the thing that I'm watching for – I want to see him command that, that fastball Fast. early. 
And if you really, I mean, even he could survive just by making sure his fastball slider are working. That's great. If I see well executed changeups, especially righty on righty, that's a huge sign. Agreed. Very good thing. So watch the glove. See what's happening with the fastballs. Um, You know, if you get if if there are hits, make sure you're seeing are, are they legit hits? Are the White Sox hitting quality pitches, or is he throwing bad pitches in the zone right. that are completely missing the the glove? And I agree. If you're looking for something that says next level, hey, I'm I'm fully back. It would be the change of command, righty righty, with yep. Luis Severino. Exactly. All right, let's briefly hit on the two guys that were traded. By the way, the trade deadline was fun, man. Yeah, that was we a good. Ended one. up getting a hell of a good day because. Um, uh, even with all the action beforehand, there was still plenty to go around, and that was fun because I didn't know how much there was going to be. I think the two two of the biggest for us as pitcher guys would be Chris Archer going to Pittsburgh, yep. which you interestingly said on the first pitch cast. Like, don't don't that, want that don't to happen. Don't go anywhere but Pittsburgh, and then he goes to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and he and, doesn't and, have a good start. <laughs> I, and then he did not pitch well. And then Kevin Gosman goes out to Atlanta. So let's start with Archer. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more on this, by the way, in terms of why you didn't want him to go because the, they emphasize fastballs and de-emphasize secondary stuff right and uh, first off i think he needs to be throwing the slider and 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 figure out a third pitch to be honest to really take off Uh, his fastball usage has just straight down since 2014 so it's going to be an interesting fit with this pittsburgh club right off the bat he was at 46% with the Rays. They had him up at 53%. And he gets uh, he gets walloped a little bit. The leadoff homer to Carp settles down in the second after loading the bases. And then just wa- it was just ups and downs yeah. where you see a couple good really at-bats. But then – it, it was it was really frustrating to watch because I like him and I want him to be successful, but I'm not going to pretend that it's successful when it's not. Um, and th- that wasn't a good outing. So what do you think about Archer in Pittsburgh rest of season and obviously beyond because this is not a rental at all? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, OK. So just with this one game, it was a little discouraging just for me to see 3.2 percent changeups, which were the lowest of any game this entire season. And I, I mean, I, I, I try not to judge too harshly the first game on a team because often they don't get much was, time to talk. They're just like, OK, we're just going to run with this and see what and happens. And he was amped. Right. He I mean, amped. I really like the fact that like Chris Archer goes in. And it's like, OK, great. You know, I've got the Steelers jersey and, and yeah, the, my mom is Antonio a fan. And, yeah. Yep. I, and, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. I love this guy. Like I want him to be successful. Right. I really am pulling for him because he's a good dude uh, by all by all accounts. And I want to see the success with it, and it just hasn't been now, there. What would you say his hairstyle is? I know this is, is a weird question to ask. Is it dreads? Is it dreads? Because he would be the new dread pirate after Andrew McCutcheon. I believe oh that's a Rasmus term. Uh, that's yeah. not mine. I did not make that yeah, up. I think but. that might be right because, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got he's got the long flowing dreads. Is that okay? Well, there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm happy someone came over and took that again. But uh, I, okay, this is what I saw on this one: is a slider. His slider just wasn't that great. He, mm. There are a lot of times it would go top of the zone and come back down. That's not how it's supposed to be. There were definitely pitches where they were fantastic with it, but he never really looked comfortable. Uh, nope. Primo Archer is exactly the same as Bleak Snell, which is tons of elevated four-seamers and then tons and of low underneath down, down. the strike zone. <laughs> yeah, going underneath the strike zone with, with sliders. And then his changeup. This changeup actually, there was a game, 27% changeups not too long ago on July 14th against the Twins. He had success with that. That worked out well. He pulled back his slider a bit to 27%. Obviously, I don't want them to be exactly the same. Yeah. But to see that he had a moment, say, oh, you know what? Maybe this will work. And I think that was kind of an experimental start and it worked out well. Maybe that could happen. 
You know, again, I, I see that 3% change at Mark, and I think this is just the first start. It's weird. He was in a lot of tough situations behind a time. He's not going to go to that third pitch. It's not like he's exactly. cruising at a point that he can experiment with it. I get it. It's, you know, it's, I'm not all of a sudden like, oh, you're just saying don't throw your change up. You know, this no. is circumstantial. And I'm sure Cervelli was like, I know you're a fastball slider guy. I've faced you before, so we're right. going to lean on that. <laughs> and you know that Archer's like, okay, good, because those are my pitches. Right. Um, the fastball is going to be key for him as it is yeah. for everybody, obviously. But uh, a minus 25.7 uh, pitch value the last since the start of 16 and that is sixth worst in baseball and then I, I wrote a I wrote a little piece on on Archer going out there and obviously they're very fastball heavy they're very three and out you know get get efficiency I wonder if they have a plan for his fastball um, and that's why maybe they acquired him because he doesn't outwardly look like a fit for them outside of the fact that he's just a talented guy that maybe they felt they were buying a little bit lower than he might have cost recently although interestingly enough i I can't remember who said this i think maybe it was justin on friday's pod um this same trade could have happened two years ago because glasnow and meadows's hype was just as high wasn't it only that predicted it oh i i that wouldn't even surprise me because then all three have kind of come down so it's funny how (laughs) you could have made the same trade two years ago it would have been more of a blockbuster we come back now and they've all kind of come closer it's still a pretty big deal though so um quick thought on glass now by the way what do you what do you think of him in tampa bay do you like that fit better well not for the end of the year not for i mean 2019 it is intriguing i i mean yes i have a higher expectation for glass now now that he's in Tampa Bay as opposed to the Pittsburgh. It really just seemed like a situation where he just needed something different. Get yeah. another set of eyes. That's kind of how I felt about Arch and, too, by the way. Sure, yeah, he I agree with that. it out in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, 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 I can definitely agree with that. Get on board with that. It's just too bad it's Pittsburgh. Yeah. But, but nevertheless, with the glass now, I, I kind of like how they're using him now. They'll use him as the as the false start, you know, the opener. False start, I like and it. That, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Steve Andrews from, uh, that's a good one. from our community Discord server. But I... Yeah, I, I think eventually, come September, we could see him go 70 pitches. It's not out of the question. I agree. I agree. I mean, I did find it really funny that he allowed a home run in his first inning, but... I, I've been I've not been a huge fan, and, and I do blame a lot of it on the height, and I, I got some pushback on Twitter, like, oh, just because it's, it's his height. And I was like, well, it's the mechanics related to it and that he can't repeat at all, and it would take a pretty severe outlier to come from 14% walk rate. Right. And, and and turn himself into a useful guy there. Like you just don't see that very often. But this might be the perfect team for him because they sure. they've found that the two to four inning role needs to have a home. And maybe he's just a really good four inning guy where right. he and that you don't worry about the mechanics in the fifth, sixth, and seventh because he's not pitching them. So I am a little bit intrigued by it. Um, and if he does change and there are improvements for Tyler Glass now, I'll be the first to say, you know what, he improved. I'm not going to say I was wrong though because I'm not wrong right now. Uh, he has to change. I don't think uh, anyone is is yeah. Everyone's kind of on the same glass page. Out with defenders glass now. are are interesting out well, there. They're I, wild. Interesting that they're calling you tallest, right? Is, <laughs> you self hate, right? They're saying you <laughs> self loathing idiot. You're six five. How dare you? Uh, Wait, are no, you slightly just, taller than me? Is that right? Did we establish that? This, yeah. Oh, I mean, man, we're the same height. Relax. <sighs> I'm probably shrinking. I'm older than you, so you're catching up. Oh no! This, oh, come on, come on. Take a take a compliment. Be happy with it. You don't have to. I I, I appreciate. To, yeah. <laughs> All right, Kevin Goss. Speaking of frustrating AL East pitchers who do not pitch up to their level, at least Archer has some great years on his on his ledger. There's really only one like 
strong right. year. You could argue that he overperformed in that one because it was a 361 ERA with a 410 FIP and exactly. a 381 and the Sierra. Still the roof. So that was 16. Whip. Ah. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> at least at least Archer has some some pelts on the wall, whereas Gosman has like periods of good time every season, usually around this time of year, just to bring everyone back in. He goes out to Atlanta, right? There's a bias that we have kind of fantasy community wide where we associate the Orioles with not able to develop pitchers. Sure. I want to put that to the test, by the way, and do some research on it, because I think we always just say Arietta, and I ask for people to say another well, one. Eduardo Rodriguez. They traded him, though. Well, right, but then he had success in you know in Boston. Say, he overperformed he what he was expected to do. Well, he never got to. He, you can't count. You're, that. Talking, you're talking about someone that actually. I'm talking about in the Orioles well, uniform multiple yeah, and times then and then left. One, That's I mean, fair. it's Mattis, okay. yeah, Arietta, right. Tillman. But wh- where are you on Bundy? Like, do you think that they? I, I do think they held him back when they took away the cutter, but they gave it back. Right. Finally. So I don't know, but either way, I, I'm not I, against the idea. I understand what you mean, but then it's I also it's hard to argue with it because really you could then say that there are different organizations since the start of 2017, and that we don't have I any think, sort of sample to talk about. I think they take that a lot of heat organization wide just for Arietta, and that's as outlier as you can get. Well, but I anyway, think, I think there's also things to be said about say like Hunter Harvey. What happened there? Yep. You know, a lot of injuries, but is it there? Is it something they're doing? Right, it's a chicken and right. egg thing. Too. And there's also also the fact that they bring in these three guys that had career seasons and then have won their worst seasons as an Oriole. Yep. That's Ubaldo. No, I, that's uh, that's Yoga, Giovanni Gallardo, and of course Cashman and Cashner. Cashner exactly. Cashner, not Cashman. Cash, so not Brian the holy Cashman. Cashman. Uh, so yeah, like <laughs> anyone leaving the Orioles, I, and I've been saying for a while that I want Gosman out of there. So uh, I'm glad that he's out of there. He goes to Atlanta. Goes to the NL instantly, going AL East to NL East, NL Easy, if you will. Right. Uh, best typo you've ever had. Definitely. Um, <laughs> that, I like that right off the top, but I am still tempering expectations. I don't think this is a miracle fix where Kevin Gosman now becomes a star. Um, I do no. think it makes his life a little bit easier, but it takes these mid fours that he's been putting up and maybe brings him down to low fours until he can also add changes to it. The environment right. alone, I think, is worth a quarter run right now. That's about it. But what do you think about Gosman in Atlanta uh, now and, and going forward? Well, OK, so he had his first start again. Not going to judge too harshly. Yep. Um, but it was against the Fair. Mets. And it was pretty mediocre. It was, it was five innings, three earned run ball, and two walks, and six Ks, and two strikeouts. And I'm already bored. No, six hits, because you said six Ks, and then oh, two, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, six, two walks, six hits, hit, and two, two Ks. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he threw 24 splitters in this one, four whiffs, and they were just not good. Nope. They were not good splitters. And that's the thing we talk about all the time with Gaussman is that his splitter is the is the pitch that really needs to take over. At the same time, it is his fastball that has just fallen back a lot. Uh, and that was not so bad in this one. You know, it was a lot of inside heaters to right-handers. That's where he lives with it. Uh, fine, his slider is still not a, the good third pitch it needs to be. When it was over the plate, it got hammered. Uh, there were two balls in play with it, both over 100 miles per hour exit velocity. Yeesh. I think there's just a lot of things to fix with Gaussman, yep. and it's it's not necessarily the splitter consistency, which we probably will never get because he's not Masahiro Tanaka. No, and even that is not always the most consistent, right? It's a tough pitch too, right? Like I yeah. love splitter, and because when it's successful, it's so so nice. 
The reason that it is kind of rare, though, is because it is very difficult. It's such well, exactly. a field pitch yeah. to, to run 100%. game to game. And that's why it's usually associated with home run issues, too, because when it's not on, it's hanging. It's just floating there in yeah, the middle, ex- ready for you to murder it. Exactly. So so then you need that slider to be more of a secondary pitch when the splitter isn't there. That's, that's never going to be it. I'm sorry. The slider is fine, but it's not yep. anything like that. I wonder if someone could teach him a hook, just a straight, you know, just an overhand curve. I, I just I, – I also – I mean – I don't say this often, and I feel kind of hesitant to now. I don't think Gaussman is the kind of pitcher that is going to be like your Trevor Bauer or your Chris Archer even that are really interested in having like the deep dive discussion like how can I be that best pitcher. He's, sure. That's just not who he is. Yeah, and not everyone is that. In fact, those two guys stand out as that, the cerebral right. guys, Archer and Bauer, and it's starting to work for Bauer, and I still think it might hurt both of those sure. guys at times because you can well, be too cerebral. But I'm saying essentially you give like a spectrum of like, okay, guys that really try and focus and hone their craft and everything. And then the yes. guys that, that this is just what I know and this is what I do. This is what I've got. I've got I, natural I definitely talent. think Gaussman is on that latter portion of the spectrum. I agree. And that makes me believe that we're not really going to see a renaissance from Gaussman anytime soon. That is, you know, this is kind of what he has and he's going to have to try and figure it out with this. If you try and teach him a hook, I would be surprised. I'd be very surprised. If all of a sudden I was curveball becomes like a dependable number can't, three that could hint at another a number two in a given start. Why can't he reach out to fellow alumnus and uh, Pollock Spore son Aaron <laughs> Nola and uh, and get some oh, he tips? Went LS- he went to LSU as well. Yes, uh, much earlier. I mean, not much earlier, but obviously they they wouldn't have overlapped. I don't believe. Oh, that's interesting, yeah, Aaron Nola. Uh, but yeah, Nola. God, happy Nola Day, by the way. Uh, happy Nola Day, indeed. He oh, he's so awesome. Let's just do a, another thirty on him. <laughs> he did so have one point five whip. Just kidding. No. He had one point five um, whip today, which is too bad. Only two strikeouts. I actually saw this. His curveball wasn't getting any whiffs against the Marlins today, which is oh, weird. Well, don't teach that to Gosman then. That's weird. You know, the thing of it is, though. Yeah. Obviously, I love when Nola and and guys like that, or or you know, Degrom, Syndergaard get to face the Marlins or the weaker teams in that division. But you always have like if. You go look at the game log of the stud versus their weakest team in the division. There's always one where they get them, and it's just the familiarity thing, I think, personally. Yeah, I can, I where can it's see like, that. You know, it's we're like, not going to let this pitch beat us today or whatever. What I would say is that's the mentality of the hitters saying we're going to overcheat on something. That's, yes. That's, I think that's what you mean by yep. we're not going to let this beat we're us today. sell out on this pitch, right. and if you don't have it locked in today – we might get some runs. Exactly. We're still going to lose because we're uh, the Marlins. <laughs> so, so to answer the question on Gaussman, it's I'm not against chasing him in a 12 team. Or if you're, if, you know, obviously we know how bad the landscape is. Yeah, and the Braves will only help in every way here. Awesome. You know, you, yep. um, I also saw some numbers on Gaussman with Caleb Joseph being absolutely atrocious, and then every other catcher being actually pretty decent. Okay, uh, so I want. I mean, I'm generally hesitant. To buy into those numbers, I think that's a lot of other things that just happen to be coincidental, or and I, it might be just a few starts that ruin everything. Yeah, like where you know who's going to save a catcher or who's going to save a pitcher against the Yankees and Red Sox? Right, exactly. Nobody. Right. So I'm I'm generally very skeptic of that stuff, but again, that's another thing in the hat to throw into. Maybe there's a chance in in Atlanta for Gaussman. So I, I think it's an okay play to make going into your playoffs at the end of the year. Just play the schedule right. Be conservative if you can with it. Don't yep. obviously go blind with it. And maybe it will we'll work out. Maybe, you know, have those games, those splitters are great and everything is wonderful. 
Yeah, so, a little bit better for Gosman, for Gosman, and and a little bit better for Archer right now because they both go to the NL uh, and they both get out of the AL beast, and right. and that's a big deal. But don't expect miracle changes now. Maybe next year, if we start reading stuff about offseason changes and development, then maybe we could see a surge. But I doubt we would see just a takeoff from either this year. I got a question for you there. Yes, I don't. I can't think of an example of something that where a guy didn't show it in 2007 or the previous season, and then we hear about an addition. The only, actually, the only one I can think of is Bundy Slider, where yeah. coming into a season, we're going to change our thought of a pitcher. Like, we're going to, I guess, well, raise them up because of some development in the offseason. Well, Colette runs his new, pitcher, new pitch tracker. Right. Oh, I love that. And, and there's so, always yeah. you know some stuff on there. But even he says, listen, I'm just giving you the info. Sometimes these are gone by April 15th because it doesn't work and they, right. and they get rid of it. So I would never go ham on it. But that if we a- saw some like – feature article in the Atlanta right. Journal Constitution of like Gosman's working on this pitch with so and so or you know got in touch with Smoltz something Definitely. like that and again I wouldn't say skyrocket him up the board I say keep an eye on it right, right. because yeah, yeah, I wasn't be hit and miss it's a best shape of your life kind of deal sometimes they're legit sometimes they're garbage Matt Kemp best shape of his life uh, Matt Kemp that's so funny he'll be fat by May 1st <laughs> or he'll beast out all year for some reason right right I mean so you always it can be noise, but I, I push back on the people who say just disregard all of it. Oh, no, no, yeah. I, I know you're not saying that. That you're wasn't a criticism. That no, was no, a no. genuine, like, okay, I, yeah. I believe it. it. It's more of like, but I want, I'm happen. curious when, you know, when that has applied. I think Bundy with a slider is the best example for that. How hard do you think it is to learn a new pitch? Well, or, I mean, or for or sometimes. It depends on the player. Yeah, it totally depends on it. Uh, there are times when, I mean, I remember when I learned my curveball. Mm-hmm. And that was just like right away. I was like, oh, cool. I karate chopped down to my ankles and I grip it like this and it, bam, there it was. Can you teach it to Kevin Gosman? <laughs> I can try. <laughs> tweet him. Hey, bro, I got a new pitch for you, dog. Oh, man. I, I, I'll definitely tweet him. I'll spike. I got you. No problem. <laughs> All right, Nick. I think that's going to wrap us up on this week's Fireside. I hope people enjoyed it. hope we see better things from Severino. I do think that there is reason to be okay with it. And um, I I could easily see a scenario where two, three weeks down the line, we look back on it and kind of laugh at, like, remember when Severino was, quote, unquote, broken. Right, yeah. so I wouldn't worry too much right now. And then with Archer Gosman, do not go overboard in terms of expectations. Now, if they came into your NL league and you got a bid on them, by all means, pay up because there's nothing better. On, like That's a, an amazing wire guy on an right. NL only. Right. But you're probably getting like a 410 ERA with some strikeouts. So, all right, Nick, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, it was a good time, Spore. unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league well look no further and download squad ql the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year download squad ql for free for your apple and android devices squad ql recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters bench players and free agent pool how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in your actual roster your league scoring system the app also provides waiver wire recommendations daily updates to player rankings and much more 
Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.